So the last concept we're going to be studying for uh, this module is digitalization, right? Digital, the digitalization of the law. So at the risk of sounding old, when I started studying law about 20 years ago, um, in our introduction to law module, we were taught about how it is when someone prescribes an article like on Ubuntu, or when someone refers to legislation like the South African Schools Act, or when someone refers to a particular case, right, like Makwanyani, how is it that we as, as law students and as future lawyers would go about retrieving these articles, finding these articles in cases and, and, and statutes? And we would literally have to go physically to the ninth floor of the, which is the law library um, in the library building at UWC. I am from UWC as well. And we would literally, if the case said journal number 4, 1994, page 64, whatever the case may be, we would literally have to go to the particular year that the journal was published in or the year that the case was published in. And then we would have to go to the relevant volume and then we'd have to go to the relevant page number. And then we would physically take the book out of the, of the um, shelf and we would go to a photocopy machine and we'd have to stand in a long queue. And if you are fortunate enough, the case is actually there because sometimes the case would have been ripped out of the book uh, by students. But OK, so let's say the case was there. We now go to the photocopy machine and we stand in a queue and you put your, I don't know, what but it's been about 20 cents into the photocopy machine. And then you start printing and then you start um, photocopying your case and making careful that you don't cut off the words or you don't photocopy junk so that you can't see what is actually uh, in the case. Right. So that was the way in which the legal system worked at the time. Right. But we've seen more and more the digitalization of law. So back then, if you had a test to study for, an exam to study for, you know, at home, and you never had an opportunity to go and get the case from the library, you simply didn't have the case to study from. But now you, as law students in 2022, you uh, reap the benefits of the significant amount of digitalization of law that we have seen, right, over the decades now. And one of the best ways in which we can see the digitalization of law is how law can be so easily accessed online, right? You are able to go to Safli. Safli didn't exist when I was studying law. I would have killed for Safli to exist. So it's that easy to you. It's on your fingertips. If you have a case and your case is prescribed and you have to go and read your case, it is as easy as clicking onto Google and getting onto Safley and then putting in the necessary information and retrieving the case that it is that you need that is prescribed for your assignment or for your for your test and that you need to read. And so this is one of the benefits of the digitalization of law, the way that law has become the sources of law has become increasingly accessible online. And this has also meant that physical libraries walking into um Advocates' offices or walking into attorneys' offices, seeing physical libraries have become less and less common because of the fact that people have shifted over to a purely a pure reliance in many instances on the electronic databases for law and legal sources in order to um, run their practices and in order to um, engage with the law. So digitalization has immense benefits. And one of the biggest benefits that it has is that it can reduce the cost of um, litigation. So one can imagine if you have um, 
witnesses from various parts of the country that a litigant now needs to fly in to come and uh, put up in hotel rooms to come and give testimony um, in the Supreme Court of Appeal in Bloemfontein or to fly them to um, to Hillbrow to the Constitutional Court in order to give uh, testimony in Bramfontein and bringing witnesses into all of these courts at the same time and putting them up in hotel rooms and flying, etc., etc., it costs a lot of money. So one can see easily see how digitalization can work to the benefit of litigants in terms of um, litigation costs and also to the benefit of the environment. We have less of a carbon footprint if we are not um, flying people across the country and if we are using uh, if we're downloading documents off the internet versus going physically to go and print documents and, and have these physical documents being relied upon. So digitalization of the legal profession have, has all sorts of benefits. But the reality is that digitalizing the South African legal profession uh, fully is going to be a extremely lengthy process and it's going to be an extremely costly process. And the reality is that as things stand at the moment, it's not uh, feasible to um, operate from a purely digitalized um, sphere when practicing law. And you will also see that uh, most uh, lawyers, most attorneys, most judges would prefer a physical environment when it comes to litigation, would prefer having a witness in front of them for the purposes of questioning or cross-examining or for the, in the judge's case for the purposes of, of observing the conduct of the witness to assess the witness's credibility. An attorney prefers to have the witness there when it comes to interrogation and cross-examination because it gives them a better opportunity to um, interrogate the witness and to be more likely to obtain uh, information favorable to their client's case during the process of cross-examination. And when we speak about digitalization of South African law, we have to weigh it against the reality that even currently, as far as the law is digitalized, um, South Africa has been unable to cope. So, for instance... When it comes to uh, cases involving sexual offenses of minors, right, where children, it is alleged that there's been a sexual assault uh, inflicted upon a child, then that child is not supposed to give evidence in court, right? That child must give evidence via video link testimony. But the reality of the situation is that that infrastructure to ensure that children are able to remotely testify via video link so that they're not subjected to that trauma of going to sit in a formal courtroom and going to face the accuser is not even feasible. And most courts do not have that infrastructure um, in place in order to give effect to that. So there's been a lot of discussion when it comes to the legal profession around uh, the fourth industrial revolution and artificial intelligence and the likelihood that machines will replace laws, right? Because we've seen that machines have taken over many jobs that were previously reserved for human beings. And of course, if we ask, will machines uh, replace law, us as lawyers, who have an, uh, an investment and you uh, as law, uh, law, uh, law students who are invested in a situation will say quickly, no, laws can, um, machines can never replace human beings. But we've seen some interesting writings by scholars around how um, in the future what we will see is the digitalization of law in the sense 
that we will have artificial intelligence and we'll have pro we'll have programs with working with algorithms in which certain uh, information will be uh, put into these algorithms and on the basis of these algorithms somebody has a legal problem they're facing a particular legal dilemma they can simply insert the legal dilemma these algorithms will run a calculation and out um, will spew out some kind of a legal advice right a legal opinion um, and in this way um, a lot of the law as we understand it, a lot of the practice of the law as we understand it will de be displaced. But what these, few, these, these authors also point out is that even then still there will continue to be a role for, for human beings in the process, in the, in the um, development of laws and that lawyers can never fully be replaced by these um, machines. So you'll see that there's a prescribed article on the digitalization of the law, extremely interesting. And I'll encourage you to go and have a look at it. And it speaks about interesting things about, for instance, in America, how these, these algorithms that have been used to determine whether or not an accused person is a flight risk, right? Whether or not they will skip bail or whether bail should be granted. So a feature, a function that has been traditionally performed by judges in terms of determining whether or not to grant bail to an accused is now being determined by a machine in which certain criteria is entered into the machine and outspews an answer in terms of yes, grant bail or no, don't grant bail. And there's a lot of um, questions around the dangers of uh, biases being infused into the law via these algorithms because ultimately it is um, human beings who are responsible for designing these algorithms. So it's very, very interesting articles out there around artificial intelligence and the role of artificial intelligence um, in the practice of law.